Axis Mundi. Hello, thanks for listening to Straight White American Jesus today. Before we get going with our interview with uh, historian Richard Steigman Gall, I just wanted to mention one actionable item for this week. Uh, if you go over to votesaveamerica.com, uh, not only can you register to vote, make sure you are all set uh, for your own ballot, not only can you get to know the uh, policies and laws for your state, but you can adopt a state and you can um, help uh, volunteers and organizers and candidates in battleground states to motivate uh, voters who may not uh, think they can vote or be motivated to vote and to uh, help just get out the word. So if you go to votesaveamerica.com, you can scroll down and uh, under step four, there is a chance to volunteer. And uh, if you want to do something instead of just doom scrolling, I would uh, encourage you to go there, uh, pick a state, Florida or Arizona or, or one of the others, and um, get involved, texting, calling, writing, etc. Welcome to Straight White American Jesus. My name is Brad Onishi, Associate Professor, Religious Studies, Skidmore College, and uh, I'm thrilled today to be joined by a historian who's uh, just working in an area with incredible contemporary relevance, uh, unfortunately, in some senses, but I'm joined by Richard Steigman Gall, and uh, Professor Steigman Gall is uh, Associate Professor of History at Kent State, has served as the Director of the Jewish Studies Program there. Uh, his work has appeared in uh, many journals, German history, uh, totalitarian movements and political revolutions, the Journal of Contemporary History. And his book, which we're going to spend today speaking about, is The Holy Reich, Nazi Conceptions of Christianity, 1919 to 1945. And that is with Cambridge University Press. It's been translated to several languages, Spanish, Portuguese, Italian, and uh, he's currently working on uh, several projects related to uh, historical fascism and uh, contemporary iterations of fascism um, in the United States and uh, has written for the Huffington Post and Politico and other places. So, Richard, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks very much, Brad, for having me. Well, your book is... Honestly, I've, I've sort of followed you uh, from afar and, and, you know, on Twitter and other places and, and been familiar with what you're up to in terms of your work for, for some time. And uh, we've, we've reached a place where, honestly, the, the entanglements of fascism and religion in our country seem to be uh, in the foreground. I really wanted to just sort of ask you about your work on, uh, on Nazi Germany and uh, I'm sure uh, everyone listening can see where this is going. I'm eventually going to ask you uh, <laughs> about making some comparisons or, uh, or links or uh, analogical sort of uh, relations. So we'll, we'll, we'll get there in a sec. Let me ask you about the main thesis of your book, The Holy Reich, uh, Nazi Conceptions of Christianity. And your main thesis is, is a little startling, I think, both to historians and to, to people just casually listening. You argue that German National Socialism, the Nazis, yeah. were not anti-Christian, but in many instances, either identified as Christian or adopted Christian ideals. You know, just to sort of help us understand uh, your work and, and your, your book, can you tell us, you know, before you wrote the book, what was the dominant kind of scholarly opinion on the relationship between Nazism and Christianity? 
Thank you for uh, starting that way. Uh, as, as historians, of course, you know, phrase it, you're asking a, a question of historiography, right? Well, how did the existing literature inform my own agenda? So um, I had always been interested in questions of anti-Semitism. Uh, and uh, I mean, that in large measure has to do with the fact that my dad was a refugee from Nazism. Uh, and his own uh, personal history that I came to know very intimately, right, growing up and listening to his stories around the dining room table, uh, very much <clears throat> informed my then scholarly interests uh, once I got into college and grad school. And so the thing for me that was always a puzzle, and, a, and it seemed to me a, a tension, was um, two different types of literature that asked the question, about the lineages of anti-Semitism, right? So when you read, or when you used to read, uh, things have changed since the book came out, I, I dare say. But um, before the book, I found that there was a, a type of literature that said that yes, there were connections between Nazi anti-Semitism and prior uh, Christian antecedents of Jew hatred. This was, an anti this was a scholarship that was oftentimes then um, made, uh, written by scholars of anti-Semitism as such, right? Who wanted to understand the proverbial road to Auschwitz and where did that road to Auschwitz start, right? When and where. Uh, so that was one body of literature. <clears throat> Another body of literature seemed to argue pretty uh, forcefully against that argument. Uh, and that was the, um, for lack of a better word, the churches under Hitler literature that emphasized uh, some uh, uh, sort of uh, individual martyrs of, to, against Nazism, most obviously Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a name I'm sure your viewers or, or listeners are familiar with, um, and other uh, pastors and priests in the Third Reich, uh, most obviously Martin Niemöller. So these were men who were conceived after World War II as being part of the resistance against Hitler, not just uh, a political or on the ground resistance, but a, a spiritual resistance, so-called. And that literature, the churches under Hitler literature, pretty emphatically insisted that Nazism was not just unrelated to Christianity, but actively anti-Christian. And by extension then that Nazi Jew hatred in its ultra modernity and embrace of racial categories had, they contended nothing to do with uh, prior religious uh, ideas of the Jew as um, a deicide figure uh, or you know, medieval notions of Jews responsible for plagues and this kind of thing, right? So this was a tension between one, two bodies of, of work. And that uh, gave me um, the opportunity to then uh, try to resolve this tension. And what I did uh, is something that curiously hadn't been done in a lot of prior literature. And that is to look at what the Nazis themselves had to say. The, um, the leadership, not just Hitler, right? Anyone can do yet another book about one man's personal thoughts, right, especially with uh, the most uh, notoriously great man, quote unquote, uh, ever in world history, right, Adolf Hitler, but his entourage is the people around him, uh, the people who informed um, what Nazi ideology was to mean, and also would pass judgment on what was, you know, proper Nazi thinking, so to speak, or not. So that hadn't been done, that kind of work, since uh, a book was published in 1968 by a, a scholar um, called John Conway, who's since passed on. And so uh, I wanted to uh, take a look at these um, actual historical figures and ask, okay, what did they have to say? And that's where I discovered that, in fact, not just for 
public consumption, right, in front of an audience, which you could always say is just propaganda, but behind closed doors, proverbially, um, that uh, there was a very strong cadre of Nazis who said, yes, uh, we conceive of our own movement uh, as a, in some sense, a Christian one. Now, against those so-called positive Christians, I, I describe them as positive Christians, quote unquote, because there was a um, a part of the Nazi party program that said that the Nazi party upheld a, a positive Christianity. This was their phrase. Um, so I used that as a, a, a heuristic device to then investigate what they would have meant by positive Christianity. Thanks for listening to this free preview of our Swag episode. In order to get access to the full episode and so much more, become a Straight White American Jesus premium subscriber by clicking the link in the show notes. It'll take you like two clicks, I promise. In addition to getting access to this episode, you'll have access to the entire Swag archive, over 550 episodes. You'll also get an extra episode every month, ad-free listening, Discord access, and so much more. All that for less than six bucks a month, and it helps us keep our flag up and continue to safeguard democracy from religious nationalism, extremism, and rising authoritarianism. Check it out. It's not hard. I promise.